We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. He hasn't been allowed to dominate in this third quarter. Ball back on the floor, finds Booker, sets up for three. gentlemen the scott foster curse is broken <laughs> the phoenix suns tie the series one one sam how are you doing i am doing great thank you for asking the phoenix suns defeat the los angeles scott fosters by a score of 123 to 109 it was not always a great game um, i think a lot of people were super nervous in the first half i count myself among them and things were not going great in general, but at a certain point it flipped. It flipped for a variety of reasons that I'm super excited to talk about. And we have our first win in the series. We have a goddamn series. So strap in because this is going to be a fun one. Highlights of the game, just to really uh, point it out. 38 points from Devin Booker, I think. This was the kind of performance I was expecting out of him when we did our, our preview of the series being that he is the guy working off those weak sides when Durant is double teamed. Durant, 25 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Chris Paul, 16 points, including some clutch buckets at the end. Uh, another huge game from Torrey Craig, who in only 9 field goal attempts scored 17 points, including half of the Suns' threes. That's right, half of the Suns' threes at 5 uh, five for eight. The Suns were ten for twenty-four overall. Took more than twenty three-point attempts in this game, unlike the last game. And then DeAndre and actually rebounded with thirteen rebounds in this game, which was also huge. Uh, Fourteen points, thirteen rebounds total. And I think those are the main highlights. We can talk about the fact that you know there are a bunch of guys who played off the bench, but really only three guys out of the main rotation. Uh, what's what's the first thing you want to talk about when it comes to this game? <laughs> what, you mean that one possession of Ish Wainwright in the first half didn't count? Or um, of TJ Warren, sorry, the one or two minutes he got, <laughs> that didn't count. Two minutes in the first half of TJ Warren, <laughs> like two 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 and a half minutes with Damian Lee, I think. 
probably the exact same minutes. Very weird first half stint where all of a sudden guys were in the game. It's like, are these guys really playing? Turns out they weren't. I'm not sure what he was doing. Uh, I, I guess that counts as rotation guys, but yeah, I mean, yeah. at the very end of the game, Ish Wainwright stepped on the court for the very first time when they put the scrubs in. Uh, but other than that, yeah, those guys played minutes in the game when it wasn't done. It was still they going did, on. They did technically play minutes. Look, we'll get into the weeds with that later on in the episode because I think there's things to address there and we can talk about what the rotation should be going forward. The first thing I want to address in this game is the Suns kind of finally cracked the math. And by the math, I don't mean in the sense of, you know, a lot of people criticize the Suns. Maybe they don't take enough threes. Uh, you know, three is more than two. The Clippers continue to take more threes than this team, but that's not the type of math I'm talking about. I'm talking about the math that the Phoenix Suns have two superstars and the Los Angeles Clippers <laughs> only have one. And yeah, if you watched yeah. these two teams play in game one, that would not necessarily have been evident in the way that the Suns treated Kawhi Leonard. Of course, they did double him also in game one, depending on the situation, but there was a lot of single coverage, a lot of leaving guys out to die against Kawhi Leonard, who obviously Mm -hmm. was sensational in that game and continued to be sensational tonight. In the first half of this game as well, they continued to be their typical conservative selves defensively, not really pressuring him, not really taking away his space. And then finally, they realized, I don't know why it took them so long, but Monty Williams made the adjustment coming out of the half and the Phoenix Suns played like a basketball team that realized, oh shit, they only have one star. We're going to impede his his space, his passing lanes, take away his angles and force other guys to beat us. And for the first time, the Los Angeles Clippers all series looked uncomfortable on offense. The game completely flipped and the Suns just ran away with it from there. I, I want to clarify, I think, what you're saying there. The difference between the first half and the second half defensively on Leonard was mostly on pick and rolls. It was all they pick were and roll coverages. Second. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because I want to do, I do want to mention the first half, there was adjustments already on Kawhi. And I think they actually did a good job on Kawhi in the first half as well. The differences were they were conceding the switch to allow him to post up and then bringing a double as soon as he turned his back to the basket. So there was a second guy coming at Kawhi in the post anytime he posted up. So, and the reason I bring that up in particular as as a difference is because if you're switching with Kawhi, he wants to post up, right? That's what he wants to do because all of a sudden there's a smaller defender on him. He views it as an opportunity to get into his power game. And when that happens, it's Chris Paul or, you know, at times Devin Booker, a second defender comes. Sometimes it was DeAndre Ayton. Sometimes it was Bismack Biombo in the second half. Other times Torrey Craig would just come back. Sometimes DeAndre, or I should say Kevin Durant was that guy, but they were bringing a second guy and they were rotating the ball. The reason the game was so uh, close at, at the half, but really the Clippers kind of controlled the first half, was that they were making three-pointers at a really high rate out of that in the first half and probably an unsustainable rate. You know, any team can get really hot for an entire game. Uh, but at the in that first half, I think they just hit quite a few threes that they, kept them in the game. They were also super efficient to give them just credit. They were super efficient around the rim. And that's something you heard Monty talking about in a timeout that the Suns just needed to, to D up better on drives because the penetration that they were allowing um, was a real problem for them in the first half, too. So, you know, I, it, w- it was didn't all come down to the pick-and-roll coverage stuff, but as soon as the pick-and-roll coverages changed in the third mm-hmm. quarter, 
that's when it really took off for the Suns. Because this is what we've been begging for, the two of us, collectively and other people we've had on the podcast as well. We talked about it a lot with Steven when he was on a few weeks ago, or this may have been like six weeks ago at this point. But that we wanted Aiton to play higher up. And he started playing up to touch. It was like dipping his toes into it at first. Just playing up to touch, hedging on a pick and roll. And then the next possession, okay, this time we're actually going to trap Kawhi when he comes around the screen. This was in the early third quarter. And then, okay, Aiton gets into foul trouble. They're going to make the substitution. Biombo comes in. Now we're going to switch. We're going to switch that. And, and we trust in Biombo's ability um, to guard out on the perimeter. On the and, perimeter. And if he and if he drove, they brought a second guy, yeah. Sure, yeah, of course. If, if he drove, they brought a second guy. But again, we talked about how Kawhi doesn't necessarily feel comfortable as a playmaker and why it took so long to muck up the game like this and do something that can make him uncomfortable and maybe cause some live ball turnovers and allow you to quicken your pace on offense and get easy buckets. I don't know why it took so long. But I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we've arrived at this point. And, I, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be the main defensive scheme going forward. But what's so encouraging about it is it means that the Suns were not content with just being this predictable defense. Because being that predictable drop-style defense for seven games, the Clippers had already figured it out by game one. And they would have continued to pick it apart the entire series. You need to be... But more in the style of Ty Lu, constantly throwing different coverages at these guys. Otherwise, Kawhi's just too good. Yeah. He's going to figure yeah. it out. And and the the other side of that, like you start playing this more aggressive scheme on Kawhi, and there are potential drawbacks. You know, like Eric Gordon might go off on you. He he might you know be on the strong side, and he might hit more threes as a result of that. He literally yeah. did tonight. And there are going to continue to be games like that. There will be games where maybe he goes off. There will be games where Norm Powell goes off. But we addressed all of that. We addressed all of these possibilities at the start of the series. That is a better alternative than allowing Kawhi to shoot 80% from the mm -hmm. field and, and, you know, and just score 40 points on you, uh, scoring over single coverage. So they had to do something to make Kawhi uncomfortable, and they finally did. Uh, and, and then it just helped that with our offense, both Durant and Booker were cooking to the extent that they were. I mean, that was the main thing. You know, the, you brought up the, the math and the the one plus or one or two is more than one math as far as superstars go but the other thing is the overall field goal attempts 85 to 80 the suns had more in this game the one thing i want to point out that kind of impacted that do you know how many free throws the clippers shot in this game i a lot i, I wasn't looking at the box score the entire game but i knew it was would a lot. it surprise you if it was 31 yeah it's something like that <laughs> it's, it's a lot it's an insane amount and the Suns uh, only shot 14. And I actually thought the Suns did a good job putting pressure on them and drawing fouls quite a bit. But I do think, and Monty said it at half, and I think maybe that had an impact on the second half, they were getting away with a lot of physicality on Kevin Durant in particular in the first half. You know, at any time he was coming around a screen, they were bumping him. Even when he had the ball, you know, a lot of times in the playoffs, there is stuff that's, that's let go as far as bumps grabs a little bit you know those kinds of things generally that's off the ball we've seen the Cleveland Cavaliers really put pressure on Steph Curry off the ball make him as uncomfortable as possible running around the screen something the Suns need to do with Kawhi Leonard except that he's made made of marble <laughs> and impossible to move um, but with Durant they're doing that on the ball they're just bumping him when he's dribbling and that's usually not something that the refs let go they did start to call it in the second half and it made a big difference. It, there is one thing I want to mention that I think 
we probably should have talked about in the last game. It's it's a little harder at times, sometimes, not to complain here, but to do the immediate post-game podcasts because we don't always have our thoughts we together don't. right after the we, game. You, you, and ultimately, all, we're emotional too. Exactly. You know, People we want can't. them to win. We've had people like drop, and you know, there's a certain level of feedback is always appreciated to be clear, but also like sometimes people will listen to episodes two or three days later and they have to realize that they're no longer in the emotional state when they listen to those that we might be in five minutes after yeah. the game has ended. So that's definitely part of it for sure. I think one of the things that we probably missed that was obvious from the last game is they started this game again with Zubats on Craig. And the Suns, the immediate reaction to that, the first adjustment that we saw in this game was just immediately going to post up Durant. You know, whether it was Westbrook or Gordon, who was the two most common defenders, but even if it was Batum, they just posted him up. And now that gets either that allows Durant to get to uh, his spots and shoot some shots, which was his first bucket of the game was a post up, a sort of half post up on Russell Westbrook where he turned and shot or it just forces the Clippers into the types of rotations that they were trying to avoid doing and that would just get them into rotating and once the the Clippers are moving if that ball swings properly you know either it's a Torrey Craig three on the other end which we saw five of or it's Devin Booker catching it on a hard closeout somebody just sprinting at him at the three-point line he can shoot that if his three-point shots back that would be great news but the other thing you can do, and we saw a lot of that in this game, is just attack it hard. And if he attacks it, he can get that mid-range shot off. He can get to the rim. He can get to the line, or he can pass. That's the advantage well, of having a superstar on the weak side. And with with passing for him, you know, Book had nine assists tonight. It wasn't just the scoring. There was that one possession, first half, I want to say, uh, where he attacked multiple hard closeouts from Kawhi twice on the same possession, ultimately ended in the Tory corner three but like book alone logged like a million steps on that one possession and uh just some of the rotations like exactly what you're saying once they got the clippers into rotation he was able to do damage as the secondary star that's going to continue to be the case all series long he's going to have those opportunities yeah and i think i i wish that we would have pointed out the post-ups because i think it was an obvious thing and i think the suns were clearly ready for something like that to happen in that the eight games we saw with Kevin Durant in the regular season, they worked pretty hard at finding options to post Durant up in an empty corner and then get the ball moving on the other side of that. Uh, there were at times we've still saw it, maybe one or two passes from Chris Paul where he probably should have shot it. But I don't think this is the game to really complain about Chris Paul being that we kind of saw that clutch gene uh, kick on a little while there. Yeah. I mean, the end, look. And, and Chris Paul kind of took over. If, if Chris Paul had shot two for eight again in this game, then yeah, you look at those possessions where he had a, a, a catch and shoot three opportunity, didn't take it, and you kind of look at those under a different light. But we got vintage Chris Paul last five minutes of the fourth quarter attacking the drop defense, hitting those mid-range baskets. So ultimately, uh, it, it, it didn't matter. We, we got what we needed out of Chris tonight. In the first half, though, I'm not going to lie. I mean, Jesus Christ, the first half was ugly. It was really not looking good. <laughs> At yeah, a certain point, there, was, there the, were moments there where I was losing all faith. <laughs> the defensive effort was bad. Chris wasn't doing anything offensively. Aiton was hitting the same 16, 17 foot mid range jumper every time, but then he was giving you nothing defensive. This is all only the first half that I'm talking about. 
Aiton at the time was giving you nothing on defense, and then on offense, he'd come back, he'd hit the same 16-foot jumper, and he'd be like, okay, yeah, they're great, they're down by 10. But I was starting to lose faith as well. It, it, it really was not pretty. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and I think credit to Biombo, I think, who came in, was the only backup center that played and... I think played a really important stretch of the game where the Suns, I mean, it was really the last punch that the Clippers had left. They were, they were throwing it when Biombo was on the court. And if Mm -hmm. the Suns were able to sustain that or even outscore them, which they did in the second half with Biombo on the floor, that essentially ended the game uh, because they expended all the energy they had left with Biombo on the court. And I thought he was really, really excellent. Played a really important. He was, I mean, you look at the box score too. It's what? Six Points, five rebounds, two assists. You you might be like, well, what is that? But I mean, those three had, blocks, you he know, had three blocks. <laughs> he had three huge. blocks in fifteen minutes, and that's just you know that's just busy though. Like again, the scheme versatility with Biz is so huge, and I'll be the first to admit that I didn't want Biz to play in this game. I was like, kind of. Yeah, we talked about it. We we talked about it on the last pod. I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit when he checked in in the first half, but you know what, Jock doesn't have the scheme versatility defensively that Biz does. He, he just doesn't. He can't yeah, play the Yeah, he can't the same switch into the perimeter. Yeah. Now, if I were yeah. the Clippers, Biz took five shots in 15 minutes, and every time he got close to the basket, would I have maybe hacked him to ensure that that's only zero or one points instead of two? 
uh, yeah, maybe I would have done that because, you know, I still think there are concerns about him being viable uh, in, in certain Or even hack him or, off the ball. Yeah, or even hack you know, him off the ball. You, you I was could, surprised I, I would didn't be do a, that. I would be afraid of teams doing that if you left Biz on the floor for too long. But defensively, his impact, it was clear as day. People were going crazy about Landry Shamit playing minutes. He's been the best bench player so far. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I'm going to diverge from you on this one. Zero points. Zero yeah. points. But yeah. but I think he plays important minutes it's time defensively to stop. for the, it so is he's time, one of the only. It is time to stop. It's you need time, to go I'm back sorry. and rewatch it, I think, Sam. I'm sorry. He's he's what is he two for seven in forty minutes in the playoffs so far? He, I, I understand he's a, def- he's a defensive player now. <laughs> I, I, I he just I, has zero offense. He's fine on defense. He's fine. But he's not like an impact defender to me. Here's the thing. I'm Well, nobody on the benches except for except for the other guy who played the same amount of minutes in a Kogi. We are currently at a point where I am actually more worried about the offense than I am about the defense. Yeah. And if you look at the process, I think, first of all, the Suns scored 123 points tonight. That's already great. But we were a little worried. They only took, what was it, 19 threes, 20 threes in game one? Something like that? 19. Well, okay. They took 24 in game two. Great. In my opinion, they should be pushing 30 plus every night. And if Landry's going to play 14 minutes and he's not going to jack him up, get Terrence Ross out there. I, I, I know that the defense might be a disaster, but I kind of don't care. Get Terrence Ross out there because I think there's a certain <laughs> offensive process that this team, if it's not going to be important against the Clippers, it's going to be important at some point during the playoffs against other teams. They need to be consistently taking at least 33-point attempts a night, and Terrence Ross is going to help you get there. And you just have to explore the waters with him and maybe see, like maybe play him three or four minutes in the first half and see if it's going to be one of those nights where it looks like he can get cooking and get to 25 or 30 points because that's how you really start to push the offensive ceiling of this team. I mean, also, KD, fantastic game, first of all, but 0 for 4 from deep. And the Mm -hmm. four that he missed, I don't know about all of them. (laughs) <laughs> At least a couple of them in the fourth quarter were wide open. I mean, there was created, two where there was no contest at all. Zero created contest. by Book's gravity. So, like, if you yeah. think that 123 points is the ceiling of what this what the Suns offensive team can do, they could be so much better than they currently are. They grabbed only seven offensive rebounds to the Clippers' uh, 12. They yeah. missed wide open threes. They could still play. T- I think they should play Terrence Ross still. They could get a lot better. Well, to that but, point, but with Landry, man, game I mean, one, I just I don't get it. <laughs> I just don't. I don't think I, I I think we'll have a different kind of problem with Terrence Ross checks in, but we'll see what Monty does. I have a feeling Landry's gonna continue. Playing. I know what Monty's gonna um, do. Landry's gonna continue to play. I'm just speaking my piece. That's that's what this is. I he's just fast at rotating and he gets up under guys when they come around screens, and I think that's just a valuable thing. But just to the offensive point. In game one, 18 points in the first quarter, 36 in the second, 27 and 29 were the third and fourth quarter in game one. In this game, 24 in the first, and it was looking bad. Then they finished off the game with 35, 33, and 31, three quarters in a row with 30-plus points for the Suns in this game. And I think that's the kind of offensive team that they still can be. And now, having said all of that, you know they have 13 bench points in this game. Like it's still going to be a lot of it coming from the starters. Booker played 45 minutes. Durant played 44 minutes. Chris Paul, again, 38 minutes. You know, so much of the offense still has to come 
from those five guys, but they're capable of scoring a lot of points, those five guys. You you compare that to the Clippers starters, for example, 31 points from Kawhi, 28 from Westbrook, zero from Batum, only eight from Zubats, and only 12 from Gordon. And Gordon, I mean, arguably had a good game, <laughs> even though he was four for 12. He was four for nine from three. He, he's based some pretty floor, deep yeah. threes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so the Suns have the ability of being that kind of offensive team, just a lot of, you know, it's it's hard to, not to be a downer at this point, but it's hard to imagine a really deep playoff run where the Suns continually have to play Booker 45 and Durant 44 minutes. It would be nice if they can steal a win in LA. Of course, both win, both games would be ideal, but if they can steal one of those without playing these guys a ton of minutes, that would be huge for this series at the very least. It no doubt makes me uncomfortable right now that KD has to play 44, Booker has to play 45 minutes just to eke out a win here. Ideally, you know, both of those guys are maybe at 40 or even in the upper 30s. Um, I think the key to it is is kind of we've talked about the Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton minutes have just never really worked for this team this season. If you could get any kind of lineup combination around those two that just makes sense to buy the other guys a little bit of time because otherwise it's just one of them has to be on the floor at all times. It's a huge ask and it's going to push both of their minutes up towards the mid forties. If not, you know, 40, yeah, 44, 45, what it was tonight. And you know, it is kind of what it is when you have two superstars. It's, it's the biggest issue. I brought it up the last episode to bring it up this episode. It's the biggest issue with making a big giant trade mid season, not having the opportunity to fill out your roster to make the changes necessary um, in order to put the right guys around those players. You know, I still think the Suns have valuable players off the bench, but when it comes to offense, there's just not much. Campaign comes back. That could help a lot. That could have a pretty big impact. We don't know when he's coming back or if, you know, there was rumors that he was going to play today, but uh, didn't. (laughs) It was just sort of ruled out before the game, so. Monty was asked about it before the game. He did say that Cam is progressing, but that there's just still certain movements that um, are painful for him. You know, back injuries are back injuries are a bitch, man. Uh, so yeah. I sympathize with Cam on that for sure. But uh, yeah, hopefully he's back soon. Josh Akogi, not necessarily in terms of offensive impact, but just talking about minutes. Uh, he went up tonight. Do you have any thoughts on that? We got him a solid 15 minutes in game two, up from the the seven that he played in game one. So I wouldn't exactly call him a major contributor or major impact contributor tonight, but uh, he played more of a role. That's for sure. Um, I think, I think he was good. I think he played well. I think his ability to attack closeouts and pass is going to matter. If he ends up playing three fouls in 15 minutes, none of them were very smart. They were all kind of dumb fouls. Um, and that's out of character for him, so I'm not going to fault him for that too much. Do you? Maybe think it was just sort of the moment, or you know, the matchups, or whatever it was. Maybe the adrenaline got to him a little bit there. Those three fouls were weird, though. Well, do you think it's maybe? I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't instantly think that they were weird when I watched them. But do you maybe think part of it is a feeling of oh, I'm auditioning for maybe I can win my yeah, starting possibly. spot back next round? A little bit of extra nerves, a little bit of extra whatever that plays itself into extra aggression, maybe that sort of thing. Yeah, and, you know, he played in the last game, but only seven minutes spread across two halves. So, you know, they're probably it, it probably felt more like this was his first game of the playoffs. 
um, than the last game. Uh, I did like that there was a moment of the game. There was a, a few a, a stretch of the game. I don't want to call it a moment. It was longer than a moment where Kevin Durant was at center. And in those minutes, Akogi was playing. That makes a lot of sense because Akogi, yeah. offensively, is essentially your center <laughs> in that part of the game. You can play some version of five out, I but you say, saw it when it was fully when it was fully spread out. When, I, I wonder, even when Chris Paul was in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Chris Paul was off the floor, right? That's just what I was asking. I want to say it was for a Shamit. while, only a few minutes. Yeah. Okay. I want to say it was Shamit Booker, and then Akogi one corner, Craig in the other, with Durant yeah. as the five. Um, and the critical point there to me, I think, is that this was not the Suns matching the Clippers going small. Uh, maybe they were trying to force the Clippers into matching them, but it was, uh, I think it was Plumley that Durant was matched up on. So he was just, this was the Suns making that decision, that move to go small and, and daring the Clippers to match them. And I, th- I think the Clippers opted not to do that. Um, I still think that I definitely want to continue to see those lineups. I still think that when the Suns do have those lineups, they can show a little bit more intent with running their offense really through KD. And it's like, okay, great. You're going five out. You've opened up all this space. Now put the put the ball in the hands of your best player and, and let him go to work, essentially. And I think they didn't really optimize their ability to do that in those couple of minutes. There was one weird possession where it was like a flat ass, and, and this is kind of my bias showing through, but like, a flat-ass Landry Shamit brick, essentially, um, that just left a sour taste in my mouth because I was like, you've, you've got KD at the five. Like, why are you running your offense through Landry Shamit here? Um, but, yeah, they, they, they'll figure it out. I'm glad that they're trying it, and uh, we got a couple minutes of it tonight, so that was good. Um, His shots are just hideous when they miss. Just no arc, flat. It's so, And his... He's towing the line, so he's as close as you can possibly get on a three-point shot. They're just hideous. Um, the but, Virgin Landry Shamit brick versus the Chad Terrence Ross rainbow. I'm just saying, <laughs> it would do. It would do a lot. Terrence Ross has a beautiful Much more erect jumper. Shots, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, <laughs> I wanted to make a. I guess I'm doing it. I wanted to make a joke about how Landry Shamit's shots are flaccid. So there it is. Oh, okay. Uh, there there we go. Landry Shamit's shots. We, we just got there. We got there. Um, there was a moment where Durant was at center. I love this play too. And uh, they were trying to guard the Suns. Essentially spread out five out. Devin Booker had the ball at the left wing. And Russell Westbrook was just shading off of Torrey Craig to get closer and closer to Booker with Norman Powell on him because he didn't want Booker to uh, take him. And that meant that Bones Highland just sort of stepped up onto Craig and and Booker saw it all happen in real time and just called out Akogi to cut to the middle of the floor. And Akogi immediately did it. It's like he pushed the cut button on the controller essentially. And Akogi cut to the middle of the floor. Booker just passed it right over Norm Powell's head. Norm, Norm's feet didn't even move. The pass was so fast. And uh, Akogi was fouled at the rim and got some free throws, made them both. But that's essentially his job in that role, right? They're not going to guard him at the three-point line. Timely cuts are incredibly important if you're spreading out the floor um, with five. And at that point of the game, Booker 30-plus points already, they're going to bring two guys to guard him as much Mm -hmm. as they possibly can. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Booker, he was so good in this game, by the way. Just repeat his stat line again. 
38 points, nine assists in this game. Only one rebound, and I think he he just boxes out. He's not trying to get the boards. He's boxing out. And three turnovers. Three turnovers, not great, but he had five in the last game, so he cut his turnovers down in this game and increased his overall assists numbers. And that yeah. 38 points came on only 22 shots. There's um there's plenty of series left to be played here, but I do want to repeat something we said in our series preview, which was that KD feels like the guy who, no matter what defensive scheme they throw at him he's just going to get his consistent 25 to 30 and it's always going to look effortless whereas booker is going to be the swing guy who maybe goes off for 40 remember we said that and that was exactly what happened tonight booker playing (laughs) the secondary role the second mostly the guy you know they did start bringing the doubles but for the most part the guy who was benefiting off of the kd doubles and that allowed booker to go and get um his 38 it was also so great to see the pull-up threes finally start to fall for him since he struggled so much with that to end the season and in game one as well couldn't couldn't hit a three um so yeah he got up there 38 we'll see maybe he can even top it maybe he can dip into the 40s at some point this series that would be nice (laughs) i imagine he will if i had to if i had to bet one way or the other i think he probably will being that there's at least three more games in this series so he'll have at least three more opportunities to do so Aiton, 14 points, 13 rebounds, foul trouble in this game. Still played 32 minutes, though. I think got to where Monty probably wanted him, even without the foul trouble. Uh, interesting game from DeAndre. I'm curious, what did you what did you think overall? Because I think he had offensively an important game. He was hitting shots when nobody else was for a brief moment there where the Suns kind of he- needed some offense, but defensively i think we can have a different conversation he i'm not gonna lie and and i think like if you go and look at my live twitter feed from the game he more or less infuriated me in the first half because he was so consistently late on rotations as the suns were hemorrhaging points and again it was bothering me the fact that like okay so here he is getting these 16 foot jumpers but that's not going to be enough to get us back into this game we need to play both ends at the time he wasn't playing both ends um yeah, my my feelings changed in the second half when they changed the scheme, and I was so excited just by the fact that we were doing something other than playing him and drop that my my feelings about him over the course of the game changed. Ultimately, I think he outplayed Zubats in this game. I yeah, don't think I, it's sad I that that's the line, but that's, well, that's what ex- we need. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I don't think that should be the bar for a max contract center. That can you outplay Zubats? Uh, but is that all we need to win this series? Yes, and I do think he did that in game two. Yeah, if you if you hold Zubats to six rebounds, I think you that's a victory for the Suns. Rebounding in defense is his most important role. The offense that we get from DeAndre in is still important, but the extent to which people are going to leave him open, teams are going to leave him open. Uh, you know, he's not doing the offensive things that the rest of the guys are doing. He's just taking advantage of the opportunities when they leave him open. And that's going to be his role offensively because they have two superstars out there. So essentially, he's a role player offensively. He's not going to be a star. He can't be, really. And that means that the importance of what he brings up on the rebounds in particular in this series is huge, but also defensively. And I agree with you. I think that stretch in the third quarter was his best stretch defensively. When he came back in after getting into foul trouble in the fourth quarter, it was right back to what they were doing in the first quarter. The Clippers were attacking him. He was late on rotations. He wasn't high enough on his help defense. He was letting guys get to the rim. Uh, That kind of thing still did bother me in the fourth quarter. It was driving me insane. 
Admittedly, once the Suns won, a lot of that pressure goes away. But when the game was still in the balance, I was pulling my hair out a little bit. Of course. With DeAndre. And, and, and I think the Clippers are smart, you know? And the thing with DeAndre is the more you make him think, the more mistakes he's going to make. I think some of that... He he only has one turnover, but there were at least three turnovers in the first half that were caused by some of his uh, taking a second to react yeah. uh, early in the game. And yeah, the Clippers his, do a good um, job, probably better than any team at making him think. His opportunity uh, in the first half where he went, he caught a pass in the short roll and then went up to pass it to, I think, Torrey Craig and did, like couldn't decide in time if he wanted to pass or not, so he came down with it and traveled. Yeah, that was just one example of that. Um you talk about ripping your hair out with him. Look, ultimately, in any loss throughout this playoff run, or if the Suns ultimately get bounced here at some point in this playoff run, maybe it's not fair, but there are two guys on this roster who should be be feeling a little bit more pressure than anyone else, in my opinion, because, like it or not, like the KD trade is over. This team's future is tied to Kevin Durant, and this team's future is obviously tied to Devin Booker. So those two guys are the future of this franchise. If anything goes wrong in the playoffs here... You look at where the where the opportunities for this team to potentially pivot. Where else could they go to add more talent and and maybe exchange out some players? And the only two guys you can really identify at this point are Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. Those are the guys yeah. who should be feeling the most pressure because two games in, and, and not just the two playoff games in, but really we've seen it throughout the regular season as well, they're the ones who are most often struggling to fit in um, and are struggling to justify uh, if if like what they bring to the table is worth essentially what they're being paid at this point. So those those are the guys who are going to continue to catch the most flack, I think, because they're the ones who, yeah. if shit goes south, realistically, like you look at how could the Phoenix Suns be different next year from a roster standpoint, if they lose, uh, the first guys to be gone, I think, would be Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton in some order. I don't know what exactly, but it would be those two. The Suns can win off talent alone. They can be, they can win this series. They can even win another series. And beyond that, I think there's a little bit more up in the air um, as far as what they can or can't do. But they have some of the most talent of any team in the NBA. But if you had to design the perfect center and the perfect point guard to fit around Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, they'd look a little different. I think. And so the the question of whether or not they can they can look a little more like that. Going forward, those two guys as the playoffs progress will be an interesting question. Um, let's talk about adjustments real quick. Um, do you anticipate, because I think now the adjustment question is going to be on Ty Lue. I do think there is an element of Ty Lue emptied the clip in that first game to try and get a game up on the Suns. And there's not a lot of places they can go. They did try zone for a few possessions here. Eight and actually, yeah. credit to eight and two, seven for 10 shooting. Eight and was a big part in breaking that zone because they were putting Plumley in particular way back in that zone. And they played like that in the first game with Zubats as well. So they tried it again in this game. But being efficient on those shots when they leave him <laughs> with no one guarding him is going to be really important. Uh, but he was efficient on those shots in this game. So I think we could see some more zone maybe with the bigs a little higher up and then putting a little more pressure on uh, Durant and Booker to continue to score in those situations. Do you think there's any chance they switch it up and put Kawhi on Devin Booker and see if they could maybe trap with Durant and leave Kawhi on Devin Booker to try and slow him down or anything else like that? Yeah, they they actually, that's a really good point. They could absolutely do that. 
Um, but ultimately, I, I mean, Kawhi was the guy who easily had the most success on KD. He even had a couple he's of... He's so good. He's He's been... <laughs> I mean, at at one point when I was mad at the results of the game, what I felt like was about to be a loss in, in the first half, Kawhi, through the opening six quarters of the series, played like the best player in the NBA, I think. Like, you, yeah. you watch just those six quarters of Kawhi yeah. in, in game one and half of game two. And honestly, even the second half of game two, he, he continued to be phenomenal. It's like, wow. This guy looks better than Giannis. He looks better than Jokic. He looks better than Embiid. He looks like the best, and he looks better than, better Durant, than Durant for those yeah. for those yeah. first six quarters. Mm-hmm. So he looks like the best player in basketball. Uh, and and again, you just shudder to think what how things might be different if Paul George were playing because a lot of this two versus one math uh, I've been talking about goes out the window, obviously. So yeah, they could take Kawhi off of KD and put him on Booker, but you know, who else is going to generate, who else is going to actively strip KD like Kawhi did a couple of times tonight? That's, that's, I think the thing that the event creation of, you know, Durant had five turnovers in this game. It's not something that I think we're going to see often with Durant, you know, even if he's getting used to it. But the big thing with Durant, it wasn't passes. He could barely dribble around Kawhi because Kawhi was just making his life miserable um, when he was trying to get around him. And also just forcing him to take really, really tough shots, which, of course, Durant is still 10 for 19, shot over 50% for the game. And that's just who Durant is. And um, missed wide-open yeah. threes in doing it. Again, yeah, that's true. Like, missing wide-open threes when he's tired at the end of the game. Yeah, he, he could have had a 12 for 19, 13 for 19 game here if he made those. Anyway, he was yeah, awesome. 30-point game was on the table for sure uh, for him. As far as any other adjustments, I I'm gonna have to take a little more time. I think I might rewatch this one. Maybe I'll even do if they this do one of those one. like if they do one of those uh like games where they cut out all the bullshit and it's just the actual playtime on YouTube. Maybe I'll watch it on playback or something. Um, because I'd like to just rewatch this one. I think this would be an interesting one to try to think about what Ty Lu could do. But we got once again. There's only one day between game two and game three, April twentieth, on NBA TV. Right, this third game is on NBA TV for some reason. But at still 10 on Valley Sports. Thirty Eastern time. Jesus Christ! Yeah. I thought 10 sorry, was man. Bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> uh, at the same time of of uh, Warriors Kings game three, as well. Without Draymond. So it's a half hour before. Yeah, without Draymond. Any thoughts so on that? So actually, there may be a little bit more intrigue in our game now. I feel like maybe a lot of people will be tuning yeah, into maybe. NBA TV, but we'll see. Draymond stomped on Sabonis. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> any I, thoughts I, on that? Do I have thoughts on it? Um, I don't think yeah, it was it's sucks. Draymond. <laughs> Draymond sucks. To, to be honest, though, I'm surprised at the suspension. Didn't think he'd get one. Me, I'm surprised too. I didn't think yeah. they would. I didn't think he had the balls to do it. Uh, Adam um, Silver, but real quick in terms of adjustments for me, I, I thought you made a really good point at the beginning of the episode talking about working to get KD in the post. I think it's something the Sun should do even more of. Um, I, I just don't think we've hit our offensive ceiling yet. I'll stress that again. And so a little bit more KD. I think he can continue to be even more involved. And fuck it, man. I'd play Terrence Ross. I know you don't like it, but. You know, maybe I'll regret it. Uh, no, maybe you right. I mean, the, I can see the, it. I can see it. In the it. post game three uh, pod. But I would give him another shot. I think uh, the worst he can do is blow a lot of defensive reads, and maybe he sinks five or six threes, and it doesn't matter, and, and that's all the difference we need in the win. So Landry's are, not going to do that at this point. I mean, yeah, if it happens, it would be a surprise. If it happened with Ross, it wouldn't be. That's the difference. We are on the clock for a bad Tory Craig game, shooting-wise. 
Absolutely. Didn't happen in the first game. Didn't happen in the second game. It's not going to, he can't sustain this. He can't. And we're not at some getting point, threes from anywhere else. It's probably going to be on the road. Right? We're it's not probably going to be on the road. We're not getting threes from anywhere else on the roster. So like might as well play Terrence Ross because we're going to need it at some point. We are. Yeah. So I'm not totally, not totally against that, but all right. Uh, once again, just a reminder for everyone listening, we're going to be watching game four on playback. Game four is on Saturday. Um, so join us to watch that one. We'll continue doing podcasts after every game, including game three. Enjoy game three. Patreon podcast, hopefully this weekend. If you want to join the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash the timeline. But we appreciate all of you and we will be back soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.